Welcome to the Forward Church Weekly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon from the series Colossians, Jesus is Lord. For more information about Forward, giving, or to request prayer, visit www.forwardchurchfamily.com. We're in our third week of this series titled Jesus is Lord as we study through the book of Colossians and Pastor Blake did just a fantastic job of preaching the first couple of weeks of this series as I was on study break and and my family got to spend some time together. I'm thankful that the elders of this church give me a summer study break every year where I can get away, take a few weekends off and and just enjoy my family and study time as we prepare for the the future of Forward and and, um, what God has in store as I spend time in prayer and studying. But um, what what a great Great uh, job that Blake did, and if you were here the last two weeks, you heard him preach. But you know, Blake and I, um, we went for a long run last weekend, and I'm sorry to say that Blake could not be with us today. And um, if you were here the last two weeks, that makes sense. If you weren't here, then go listen to the podcast, and it'll catch you up, and you'll understand. But basically, Blake was making the point that it doesn't matter if it's him up here preaching or me up here preaching, that God speaks through his word, and it's the power of his word that, that we rely upon. And he made the illustration that if he and I went for a run and got hit by a bus, that God's word would continue on. So, um, you know, I thought Blake did a really good job, you know, of starting this series, and, and I'm thankful that at Forward Church, we're all about God's word. We're all about Jesus, and it's his power. It's the, the risen Savior and his word recorded in, in God's word that, that we, our foundation is upon, it's, the, it's upon Jesus as the cornerstone, and it doesn't matter if it's me or if it's Blake or who it is up here preaching, as long as we're preaching God's word, his church will continue on, and, and I'm honored that I get to step back into the pulpit and preach God's word this week as we continue in this series, but over the study break, I, I spent time, and the, the, let you know, it's three weeks. The first week, I basically did absolutely nothing. I mean, it was nice to, to not really do anything, to just relax and to take a break and, and to not you know, be focused on, on things of the church and, and, and leadership and all that. And it was nice to just spend some time doing nothing. But I also, during my study break, I spent time praying over the church. I spend time praying over my family. I spend time studying and praying over the next season here at Forward, the next year at Forward Church and what God wants for his church. And I can't wait to begin sharing some of those things over the next couple of months of uh, what God has uh, revealed to me and what uh, the direction he wants Forward to go as far as what we'll study and what we'll be looking at over the next year um, in his word. And um, I just, I love having that time to, to get away and to spend time with God. So thank you for letting me do that. Um, my family didn't get to go on a vacation this year, but that's okay. We did get a few days where we, we kind of took day trips and did some things together, and it was just nice to spend time together. Sometimes it's just great to, to not really go anywhere, but to spend time together as a family. And one of our favorite things to do as a family is play games together, and we got to do that quite a bit over the last three weeks, is play some games and just have that family time together. And one of our favorite games to play is Clue. Anybody in here play Clue? Everybody, everybody, you know, Clue is just a fun game to play, and I think it's because we love mysteries, right? Everybody loves a mystery. We love being able to solve a mystery, figuring out um, you know, the answer to it, you know, because we love trying to solve that, and, and we have some pretty competitive games as we try to throw each other off the, the track, the scent of what, you know, really happened, and we want to be the first one to solve that mystery. I think that's in us, that's in our nature, that we like having the answers, Right? We want to be the one that has the answers. Well, the gospel sometimes in the Bible is referred to as a mystery. And today we're going to find out the answer to that mystery. We're going to clarify and find out the answer to this mystery that is called the gospel that is in the text that we read. So if you would please stand with me, we're going to continue through Colossians. 
We're going to be in chapter 1, verse 24, through chapter 2, verse 5, and that's on page 983 in that Bible that's under your chair, if you need that, um, page 983. And if you don't have a copy of God's Word, um, please feel free to take one of those. We want everybody to have God's Word. We want everybody to have a Bible that you can turn in and read through. So feel free. Those are a gift from Forward Church to you that you can take one of those and have them. Um, I know some of you have the Bible on your phones, and that's great. I do that too. Um, but there's just nothing like you know opening up God's Word and flipping through the pages and seeing it and reading it and making notes. So um, we want you to have a copy of that. Here's what Paul says um, in this book. Inspired by the Holy Spirit, starting in verse 24, he says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. The mystery, hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints, to them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. You can be seated. May Lord add his blessing to the reading and the hearing of his holy word. That is a rich text. There's a lot in there, and we're going to study and, and dive into this. But in verses 24 through 25, Paul reminds them of his purpose as their minister. And he's telling them, I have a purpose, and his purpose is to make the word of God fully known. That's what he tells them in verse 24 through 25. And he says that he is okay with suffering for that purpose. If he has to, has to suffer to make God's word fully known, that he'll take joy in that. And isn't that a sign of a person that understands their purpose? Someone that's on purpose in life, that no matter what it takes, no matter if they have to suffer a little bit, no matter if they have to toil and struggle, then they're, they're going to take joy in that suffering because they're living according to their purpose. And Paul's saying, as long as the word of God is being made fully known among you, then I'm okay with some toil, with some struggling, with some suffering. And you know, on my study break, that's something that I prayed about a lot. Because that's my purpose as the pastor of Forward Church. It is my goal to make the word of God fully known. That's why we preach straight through books of the Bible. That's why it's our goal to help you understand what God's word says, to give you a full understanding of what God's word says and to teach God's word to make it fully known. I want everyone at Forward Church to know the gospel, to receive the gospel, to apply the gospel to your life and then live according to the gospel. You see, that's what it means to make the word of God fully known is not to just know it and to be able to answer questions from it to have head knowledge of it to fully know the gospel is to have that head knowledge go to the heart and then apply it to your life and then you see it in the way that you live that is fully knowing the gospel it's accepting it believing it receiving it and living it is for the gospel to be fully known and that's our desire for everyone here at forward church and you see paul knew his purpose and he lived on purpose according to that and he said i'm okay with struggling i'm okay with suffering as long as the church is 
fully knowing and living the gospel. You see, he understood the mysteries of the gospel, so he began to explain it to them. Verse 26 says, The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to the saints. Now, Warren Wiersbe defines a biblical mystery as this, a sacred secret hidden in the past, now revealed by the Holy Spirit. So you see, there were many things that they didn't understand yet that we have knowledge of, we can have knowledge of because we have the Bible to read it. They didn't have the Bible to read it. It was happening as they're living. So he's explaining it to them. You see, one of them would be the atoning death of Christ on the cross. That had been a mystery. You see, um, the Old Testament prophets had predicted that the Messiah was going to reign on the throne of David forever. And they, they thought, okay, this Messiah is going to come in, he's going to take over, and he's going to reign on the throne of David forever. He's going to live forever. But the prophets also predicted that he would be led like a sheep to the slaughter. So it was a mystery to them. They're trying to figure that out. Well, how's that going to work? How's he going to reign forever if he's also going to be led like a sheep to the slaughter? This makes no sense. It's a mystery to us. Not, not, not any of them, not even the angels could figure out God's mystery. So only after the crucifixion and the death and burial of Christ and then the resurrection of Christ did the pieces of the puzzle start to make sense and they started to fit together. So the, the mystery was being revealed to them of who Jesus is. Now, the inclusion of the Gentiles in the plan of salvation was also a mystery because the Jewish people, they were God's people. The Gentiles, they were known as not being God's people. So there had been hints of, in the prophetic writings that the Gentiles would be grafted in to the family of God. But it wasn't understood until after the church began and the Jewish people were astonished that non-Jews were now being included in, in God's church. And, and they were beginning to understand that Jesus, his death, burial, and resurrection, and, and, and salvation through him was available to all Jews and Gentiles alike so the mystery again was starting to be revealed now Colossians 1:27 mentions another sacred mystery it's been disclosed and this is the one that we're going to focus on a little more today he says to them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery which is Christ in you the hope of glory now, I think most of us think about Jesus as living in heaven, okay? So he, he, he died on the cross, he, he was buried, he resurrected, then he ascended into heaven, right? He's sitting at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. So now this is saying that Christ is in you. And imagine the mystery to the people as they very first heard that. Christ is in me? Christ lives inside of me? That's a mystery to try to figure out. How do we understand that? You see, the Bible teaches that Jesus lives in the hearts of those who receive him. So he says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. So we have to begin to understand the, that mystery. How does Christ live in me? What does that mean for him to live in me? Well, I, I began to think a little bit, and I think, do you remember those Gatorade commercials that asked the question, is it in you? And, and the idea was that, you know, when athletes would sweat, you would see the Gatorade coming out of them. In the commercial, you can see up there, you know, the, their sweat would be orange. Or if they drank the blue Gatorade, their sweat would be blue. And, it, you know, it's kind of a weird commercial, but it really kind of makes the point that they were trying to make. The marketing um, team of Gatorade was saying, well, when you sweat, you lose important nutrients. Therefore, you need to put Gatorade inside of you to replenish what you lost. And if you're drinking Gatorade, then people will be able to see and know that it is in you so they you know they made it visible in the sweat listen listen to this when you sin and every one of us sins the bible says in romans 3 23 for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of god so when you sin you lose something very important you lose fellowship with god 
When you sin, you lose fellowship with God. Therefore, you need something inside of you to replenish what was lost. And what God provides when you place your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord is he provides Christ in you from the Holy Spirit to replace what you lost that you most desperately need back. Christ in you, the Holy Spirit in you, restores your relationship with God. So we can ask the question, you know, is it in you? We could ask, is he in you? Is the Holy Spirit in you? When people see you, do they see the Holy Spirit coming out of you? Do they see Christ in you? Is every, everything you do, the way you live, do they see Christ in you? You know, I've been to other countries. I've been on mission trips. I've been in different cultures. And I can tell you that there's one thing that, that can be really in common among all Christians. When you see Christ in a person, it looks the same. We may talk the same, our cultures may, or we may talk different, our cultures may be different, but when you meet someone who is a Christian in a totally different culture, country, nation, different language, you see something in them that tells you that they're a Christian. You see that they are loving to other people. You see a joy in all circumstances. You see a peace even in the midst of turmoil. You see a patience. You see kindness gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. You see the fruit of the Spirit coming out of them. And that's kind of what this text is asking us is, is it in you? Is the Holy Spirit in you? Is Christ in you? When people see you, when they encounter you, do they see Christ in you? And is he coming out of every pore of your being? You see, that's the way Christians should look. That's the way Christians should be is that, that others should know that Christ is in us. You know, at the very end of the very um, first gospel sermon, Simon Peter told his listeners what they must do to be saved. And he said this, he said in Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You see, when you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, he doesn't just um, spiritually cleanse your sin. He does spiritually cleanse your sin, but he does even more to that. He, more than that, he comes to live inside of you. Christ in you, the hope of glory, lives in you, inside of you. And that's what Paul was referring to here in Colossians 1.27. He says that's a mystery. That's a mystery for us to understand and begin to learn and know that, that the very creator of the world, the, the savior of your soul, lives inside of you. And he wants to do something in you. And that's what Paul's referring to here as this mystery. Now, it's important to note that we don't all have the same emotional experience when Jesus comes to live inside of us. It happens differently for different people. Some people are just so overwhelmed with a sense of the Holy Spirit's presence that, that, that there's life change that happens immediately. There, there are addictions that are overcome. Like people, I've, I know stories of people that I've known that come out of the baptistry, you know, they get baptized, they come out of the water and they say, my life was different from that point forward, completely different. I was no longer addicted. I no longer struggled with the sins I used to struggle with and God just supernaturally healed me. But for others, sometimes that takes a gradual lifetime of, of maturing in the faith and growing in our faith. Now, there may be some things that immediately when you come out of that baptismal water, you say, I felt the Holy Spirit's presence and I decided I wanted to live differently, but it was still a struggle because I still had temptations. And that's a part of life is we're going to still be tempted with things. But Paul's talking here about a maturing in your faith. When you have Christ in you, it's possible to mature and to grow in your faith and to overcome those temptations. And that should be every Christian's goal is to mature in our faith, that we are looking more like Jesus, that, that when we encounter people, they say, yeah, I see Christ in you. Look at verse 28. 
says, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. And just like Paul, I am burdened for the people of Forward Church that each of us would mature in Christ. Paul says it's for that reason. It's, that it's his hope that they would mature in Christ that he toils that he works hard, that he struggles for, for them because he puts up with great struggles so that those around him would grow in maturity in Christ. And I think that's a great biblical challenge for each of us. We have to ask ourselves, first of all, am I maturing in Christ? Am I doing what, the, what I need to do to, to grow in maturity, to, to grow with Christ in me? Am I willing to toil so that I will mature in Christ or am I just hoping it'll happen supernaturally? Am I willing to do what it takes to suffer, to, to do the hard work, to, to grow to maturity? And am I willing to toil so that those around me would mature in Christ? Am I willing to pour into others like Paul was? Am I willing to struggle so that others might be encouraged and be maturing in Christ? In chapter 2, verses 2 through 3, he says, that their hearts may be encouraged. So he's struggling, he's toiling so that others will mature in Christ because he wants them to be encouraged. He says being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full under assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So I read that and I think, how do we mature in our faith? How does that happen? How do we grow in maturity in our faith? Well, maturity takes time. Maturity takes patience. Maturity takes dedication. To mature at anything in life, you know that it takes persistence. It takes time. It takes, it takes experience. If you're hiking and you come across this large oak tree that's beautiful and, it, and you know, it's just off the path and you just think, you don't think, wow, that thing matured. They probably planted that yesterday. No, you know that it's been there for years and it took years for it to mature to the place that it is. The same thing is true for a Christian. It takes time for a Christian to, to dig their roots down deep. It takes time for a Christian to grow in maturity. So I wanna mention a few things I think you can do in order to mature in Christ. One of those is commit to regularly sitting under the teaching of God's word. That's one thing that we can do, and that's one thing Paul would tell the church over and over again, is that you, know, you gotta make sure that you are committed to sitting under the teaching of God's word and growing in God's word. I can tell you for me that for 25 years, I have sat daily under godly mentors that have taught me God's word. A regular basis for 25 years, I sat under preachers of churches that I belonged to on Sundays, and I would go Sunday after Sunday, and I would sit under their teaching, and I would learn, and I would grow. And I can tell you in 25 years, there's only a handful of times, you can count on one hand the times that I've missed a church service. When we go on vacation, we find a church and we go and we sit under the teaching of another preacher. And on that handful of times that I've missed a church service in 25 years, we had our own church service in our home or in the hotel or wherever we were. We studied God's word and we spent time worshiping God. So we have to commit to grow to spiritual maturity to say, I'm going to sit under the teaching of God's word. It's going to be important to me. Now, another thing I did is I, I sat under preachers of churches that I don't belong to, and I would listen to podcasts throughout the week. 
I would find trusted preachers and listen to their podcasts. I've read commentaries by trusted theologians. I read blogs from trusted scholars that, that I know are teaching God's word. And I do that on a daily basis in order to grow in spiritual maturity. So it takes that toil that struggle to grow in spiritual maturity, to grow in our Christian maturity, to grow as Christ in us, then we have to commit to sitting under the teaching of God's word. Now, another way we do that is we commit to reading the Bible daily. You know, maybe that's new for you. Maybe the Bible's something that, that you've never really studied regularly and you don't know where to start. I would say start with the book of John. Go to the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. I always recommend John, especially the new people studying the Bible, because it has a lot of words of Jesus. If you have a red-letter Bible that shows the words that Jesus speaks, there's a whole lot of red in the book of John. Read that, ask God to speak to you, and you will begin to learn and grow in spiritual maturity. But you've got to commit to saying, I'm going to daily be in God's Word. Maybe you download an app on your phone. There's the Bible app. You can go search in your um, app store, search for Version Bible app. That's one of the best ones I know of. They have thousands of Bible devotions in there that make it easier to understand so you can have something to help you or you can wake up in the morning, you can open up your Bible app and you can do just a short 10 minute, five, 10 minute devotion. You've started your day in God's word and over time, what happens is you will begin to find spiritual growth and spiritual maturity. Doesn't happen right away. And there'll be days where you might read and you might feel like, well, there's not really a whole lot that I felt happened there, but it's that, that devotion, it's that dedication, it's that discipline that begins to compound and grow into spiritual maturity over time. Just like anything, if you have the discipline and you continue that discipline, you're going to grow. So I'd say just start reading. And when you do, ask the Holy Spirit, ask Christ in you to, to help you. Christ in you helps you learn and grow and understand his word. But in addition to sitting under Bible teaching and reading daily, we have to apply what we learn. So there's sitting under, there's, there's reading daily, and then there's application. So you've got to be able to take at least one thing as you're studying, as you're reading God's word. You have to at least say, God, what's one thing I can learn about and then I can apply to my life? And as you begin to apply God's word to your life and it begins to show up in the way you live, then you begin to mature in Christ. And when you begin to mature in Christ, then you're going to be able to spot false teachings and not get tripped up by those. And that's something else Paul was warning them against. In verse 4, Paul says, I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. Now, it was true back then, and it's true today, that there are a lot of people teaching Jesus. But not all of them are teaching the Jesus of the Bible. Not all of them are teaching the Jesus of the gospel. Some teach a little bit of Jesus and then a whole lot of world. And he's saying, you've got to be able to, to distinguish that. You've got to be able to understand, is this really about Jesus? Is this really the gospel? Or is this somebody messing that up? Is this a false teaching? Because Satan wants to come in and twist things. So he's done since the very beginning. He said, did God really say? Right? That's always been his, his tactic, is he wants to take what God really said, and he wants to twist it a little bit and mess it up so that it's not truth. We've got to be able to distinguish what is truth and what is false. As Martin Lloyd-Jones once said, if you don't believe in a body of truth, you have no method of deciding when a man's teaching is false. You can't define heresy. But listen, Paul's saying there's a good thing. If Christ is in you, the hope of glory, then he will help you distinguish and discern truth from falsehood. And the more you know the word, the more you're in God's word on a daily basis, the more you're maturing in Christ, the more you recognize the falsehood when it's seen. So you have to be cautious 
of who you listen to when it comes to teachers. And that's, you know, there's the beauty of the internet that, you know, you can have access to all these preachers, all these sermons, all these commentaries, but you've got to understand that some of those may not be accurate with the Bible. So you, you've got to understand that there are teachers out there who are amazing communicators. There are people out there who are telling inspiring stories and they may be, very, may be very charismatic and they get all ramped up and excited and they get the crowd going and, they, and everybody's listening and, you know, and they're, they're, they're blowing up YouTube with their videos and you think, wow, I never thought of what he just said right there. I never looked at it that way. But if you ever walk away from a teaching like that and you're wondering, where was the gospel in that message? Or you walk away from it and you say, you know, they didn't really ever read Scripture directly. I didn't see Scripture. They just talked vaguely about Jesus and this idea of, of God's Word. If, if they're not going straight to the Scripture and pointing it out you know, to, to show truth, or, or maybe you come away and you say, you know, her talk made me feel strong, made me feel better about myself, made me feel like I can conquer the world. It made me feel good, but they didn't point out that you have weaknesses and that you need to rely upon Christ in you for strength, if they don't go there, if you find yourself wondering those things, then, they, then you need to take that teaching. You need to make sure that it is in line with God's word, and you need to put God's word first, not some charismatic teacher. So Paul is telling us, you've got to know the word. You've got to understand the word. You've got to be maturing in Christ to the point that you can see the truth from a lie. You see, we can only know that if we know God's word and we have Christ living in us. Now, trying to think of an illustration for that, and I want you to take a look at these two pictures of a Kentamani dog. Now, a Kentamani dog, we've learned a lot about it because our dog, Toby, is a Kentamani. They're from Bali, Indonesia, and, and they're very loyal. They're very protective dogs. We learned that. Um, we learned the hard way that they love to climb. Um, they, on the internet, when you read about a Kentamani, it says, keep an eye on them. They can climb almost any fence. And sure enough, we had a fenced-in yard, and we'd put him out there, and like a minute later, he's running down the street. We're like, what in the world? How's he doing that? You know, we said, we should have named Houdini. He's, he escapes everything. So, this is a Kentamani, and, and if I were to ask you which one is Toby, some of you wouldn't know. Why wouldn't you know which one's Toby? Because you don't know Toby. You haven't spent daily time with Toby. You haven't been with Toby on a daily basis. Now, you could put Toby in a group of uh, a thousand Kentamanis, and I can guarantee you that Tanya and Aaron and Callie and myself, we could all tell you which one is Toby. Now, some of you have been to our house, some of you know Toby, and you know that he pretty much always wears a bandana. You might recognize where he is, that that floor is in our kitchen. So the one with the bandana, that's Toby. But you wouldn't know that unless you really knew him. So how can you know and distinguish whether someone is teaching the real Jesus if you're not spending time with Jesus, if you don't really know Jesus, if you don't know his word, then you can't tell the difference if someone is taking the word and twisting it and changing it a little bit, or if it's really God's word. The beauty of Christ in you is that when you are maturing in Christ and you hear a false teaching, then there's something inside of you that sets off alarms. There's something inside of you that just doesn't feel right. There's something inside of you that, that starts to say, that just isn't right. I need to test that with God's word. So when you hear a false teaching, the Holy Spirit living inside of you says, check that against Scripture. Check what that person just said. That statement they just made, is it in line with God's word? You see, we have to know Jesus. We have to know him who lives inside of us in order to tell truth from the fake. And once we have that, it's pretty easily discerned. 
And it's the daily maturing in Christ, with Christ in us, that brings us that, that encouragement over time and strengthens us for this journey of faith that we're all on. Colossians 2.5 says, For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. As we wrap up today, I want to ask you, how firm is your faith in Jesus as Lord? We're in this series studying through Colossians about Jesus as Lord, and, and Paul here says, you know, the firmness of your faith in Christ. Though he's absent, he's rejoicing to see their firmness in their faith in Christ. You see, your, your faith and your firmness in your faith is going to be challenged by suffering. The Bible says expect suffering. I think too many today think that, well, I'll become a Christian and I'm going to be a part of, of God's kingdom and therefore I won't suffer anymore. Things will be great and that's not true. You're not going to live your best life. You're going to live a suffering life. It's, it's, it's part of the gospel. Times will be hard. God will be there with you through it though. So how are you going to suffer? How's your faith going to be when you suffer? There'll be times of doubt. There'll be times of temptation. You're still going to face temptations. You live in this world in the flesh. You've got to make choices between the flesh and the spirit. How's your faith going to stand firm? When disappointment comes, things will happen in this life. You'll still be disappointed as a Christian, but how will your faith stand firm? When false teaching comes your way, how will you stand firm? See, I think there's a challenge that we overlook as well that we fall prey to and that we need to understand and, and know how to stand firm. And I think that what challenges most of us in, in maturing in our faith is routine. For us, it's just the daily grind of living. I mean, I can't count how many times I've heard Christians say things like, you know, my faith is kind of stale now. Yeah, I used to feel close to God, but now I just kind of feel like I'm going through the motions and, and I just don't feel that excitement that I used to have. Or I just don't have enough time to read the Bible daily. Or, you know, I just, my, my weekends are, are really my only time. I work so hard during the week. My weekends are time to unwind. And I want to spend time with my family. So we just can't make it to church on a regular basis to sit under teaching and to worship. And, and listen, first of all, I want you to understand there's one thing that God gives every single person equally. There's one thing that every single person in this room, we all have in equal measure, and that is time. So you can't say, I don't have enough time to read God's word daily. You can't say, I don't have enough time to get to a place of worship and to worship God. Now, I understand sometimes our jobs keep us away on weekends, but there's churches that meet on Wednesday nights, Thursday nights, and I hope that you will be a part of our church here. We, we do Sunday morning, but really it's not a time thing. It's a priority thing. Every one of us has the same amount of time, so I would suggest looking at and taking priority in your life what what's what's taking most priority and maybe we need to rearrange some things how we spend our time because how we spend our time tells God a whole lot about whether or not he's lord of our life and if Jesus is truly lord then that means he reigns over rules over everything every every part aspect of our being and that everything that flows out of us should be Christ living in us coming out of us and maybe we need to make some, some changes and, and wake up a little earlier and start our day through prayer and reading the Bible or looking at our version app on our phone to get into God's Word. Or maybe, it's, maybe we've gotten into kind of a routine of spending two hours a night watching TV to unwind. And maybe we spend a lot of time on social media. And, you know, if we look at our phone of how much screen time we've had, it might surprise us of, wow, I spend a whole lot of time looking at my phone. How much time are we spending looking at God? 
how much time are we spending looking into his word and, and studying and learning and, and growing in Christ? And secondly, I want us to understand the Christian life is not meant to be a continual mountaintop experience. I think we've been sold that fake idea that, well, when you become a Christian, you're gonna have this mountaintop experience and everything is great. And, and yes, you have the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, but that doesn't mean everything's a party. That doesn't mean it's always the high moments. There's gonna be times when you feel great about your spiritual relationship. When you go on a mission trip, you'll experience this high because you're serving and you're immersed in service and sharing the gospel and, and, and studying God's word and worship. And when you get back from a spiritual retreat, you'll feel this great high. But when you spend time serving others, you'll feel this, this, this great um, feeling of, of, of accomplishment and, and encouragement through doing that. When you come out of an inspirational worship service at church, you know, you, you walk away saying, that was so good, I feel built up. But guess what? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday still come. How are we doing? How is our faith standing firm in those moments when we're not on that spiritual high moment and it's just the, the mundane part of life? You see, we need these times of worshiping God. That's why we gather every weekend is because we need this to encourage one another. We need to worship God. We need that, that worship time. We need to be in, um, encouraged by each other and built up by one another. We need time together. But when the mundane hits, how are we doing? How can our faith be firm in the routine of every day? So we have to ask ourselves, do I live as though Christ is in me and as though he is Lord? Am I going through the dedication and the toil of what it takes to mature in Christ. And maybe we look at, at our work week and we think, you know, every day when I go, am I giving my best effort even though my job is tedious? You know, maybe I go to work and it's the same thing over and over and I'm just tired and it's, it wears me out, but are you giving your best? Are you honoring God through that? Are you looking for opportunities to, to show the love of Christ with others in those moments? Or maybe moms, it's, you know, changing the diapers and doing the laundry and picking up the toys and, and all those things that seem like the mundane routine. How does your faith stay firm in those moments when you start to think this is the same thing day after day after day? Maybe you're reading a Bible story to your kids before bedtime, day in and day out, but you don't see much change in them. Guess what? That's because it takes dedication. It takes time to see that life change and see that maturity. It takes time of getting up day after day early in the morning and reading God's word and starting your day in a devotion of looking to his word and letting it take root in your heart and then applying it to your life. It takes week after week after week of going to church, of being here to worship God, even though it may not bring tears to your eyes like it used to. All of us can probably, if we've been in church for, for any amount of time, we can all say, you know, there was a time where it was just this emotional excitement. Every weekend, I, I couldn't wait, and I was excited, and God would do things, and I would get chill bumps, and, and I would just be blown away by how God moved. But then we all go through seasons of, you know, it's just kind of been, it seemed just kind of dry, but it's that, that devotion and that dedication and that time over the years. I can tell you 25 years worth, and I'm still maturing in Christ. I'm still growing. God's still pointing things out to me. This past week, 
my family, we took a spiritual retreat and we got away and, and, and the four of us, we, we went through Ephesians 4 and 5 together and we studied and we had moments of study together. We'd go off on our own and we'd study and we'd just allow God to speak. We'd come back together and we'd talk about here's what God was teaching me. And I can tell you that after 25 years of being a Christian, God still spoke something to me. God still taught me something. God still pointed out a character flaw in my life that he was saying, this is something you need to work on. See, maturity doesn't happen overnight. Maturity takes week after week after month after month after year after year of dedication and devotion and growing with Christ in us. And there's people in my life that I look at and I say, man, I aspire to be like them. I want to have the spiritual maturity that they have. I hope and pray that one day people will look at me and say, I aspire to have the spiritual maturity that he has. And I hope that you hope that there's people in your life that will look at you and say, I aspire to have the spiritual maturity that they have. And we're all at different parts in our walk. That's the beauty of the church is that we are to gather together so that we have each other to encourage one another and we can help each other grow in our spiritual maturity and we can come to a full knowledge of God's word. But you know, 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. And you see over and over throughout Scripture words like that, steadfast. It means it's going to take a while. You've got to be steadfast. You've got to be immovable. You've got to be strong in this. You've got to be firm in your faith. You've got to be about the work of the Lord. You gotta live as though Christ is in you. And when you live your daily routine in the Lord, because the Lord is in you, then he says, whatever you do, it's not gonna be in vain. That job that you think is mundane and boring, it's not in vain because if you're doing that as though Christ is in you, God's gonna use it. But the Lord Jesus must first be in you. Christ has gotta be in you for that to happen. And that comes down to what you believe. You know, go back to the game of Clue that I talked about at the beginning. You only win the game of Clue once you make your way to the center of the board, you go into the pool house, and you proclaim what you believe to be true. For example, you get into the pool house first, and you say, I believe it was Scarlet in the observatory with the poison. And if that is true, you're declared the victor. You have victory. Listen, in real life, Every single one of us is one day going to have to declare what we believe. We're told in the Bible that we are to stand in a pool, a baptistry, and declare what we believe. We're to say, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. I believe that he died by the cross. He was buried, dead, but he resurrected he ascended, he sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, and he sent his Holy Spirit to come live inside of me when I place my faith in him. And I declare, because I believe that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. And because that statement is true, and we are baptized into that statement, the Bible says we're declared victorious for eternity. We become victors over death. We get to live eternal life with God when we understand this mystery of how Christ desires to live inside of us. See, the spirit of Jesus, it enters us upon our declaration of faith. And we're strengthened to stand firm in Christ and be mature in Christ. So I want to close with one more verse. 
It really talks about what Christ in you does. Romans 8, 11 says, If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. So today we want to offer an invitation for you to accept Jesus as Savior and Lord. If you want Christ to live in you, He will forgive your sin. He'll come live inside of you. He will empower you to live the Christian life. He will empower you to be victorious. But it takes you confessing what you believe. I'd like to invite you to just come to the altar today and do that. It's that simple. You come and you make that confession. We'd be glad to help you with that. But that's Paul's desire for the church. That's what he toiled for. That's what he suffered for. That was his desire that they would fully understand the mystery of the gospel. That's my desire for every one of you, that you would fully understand the mystery of the gospel. And you might still have questions after today. You're not going to answer every question. That's what faith is. You're not going to know everything about God. But you can know enough about Jesus to know that he loved you so much that he gave his life for you. And when you place your faith in him, he will come live inside of you and give you victory. So if you want to do that, come to the altar today as we worship in just a moment. Maybe, maybe you've already done that but you've been living your life in a way that doesn't show Christ in you, and maybe today you just want to say, God, I want to make some changes. I want to rearrange my time. I want to daily be in your word. I want to commit to that today. Maybe today is the day if you just come to the altar and make that commitment. Either way, we open up the altar. We invite you to come forward as we worship. Let's pray. God, I'm grateful for your holy word. God, your word teaches us so much. And Father, there's so much in there that that we don't know. But God, we know that if we can get into your word and allow your word to get into us, that you promise to change us from the inside out. You promise to empower us to live the life that you call us to live. Father, we can't know everything about all the falsehoods out there, but we can know about the truth, and that's found in your Bible. May we be dedicated today from this point forward to to be in your word on a regular basis, to allow your spirit to move inside of us, to teach us, to instruct us. Our prayers that when people see us, they would say Christ is in them. Father, I know there are people in this room today that have never placed their faith in Jesus. Prayers today would be the day. Give them boldness to know that if they come to the altar, that we rejoice with them, that we'll celebrate with them, that we will help them take steps in their journey. Pray that every single person in this room, as they leave here today, they would leave with the assurance that they have victory over death. That just as your spirit raised Christ from the dead, that you will do the same for us one day and we will live for eternity with you. May we all receive that today. We pray asking you to do a mighty work. Reveal yourself as we worship you now. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to the Forward Church Weekly Podcast. We hope you'll join us next week as we continue in the series, Colossians, Jesus is Lord. For more information about Forward, giving, or to request prayer, visit www.forwardchurchfamily.com.